Good morning, Liz. Good morning, Olivia. How's it going? It's going good. Welcome to Women, Magic, and Power, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you're enjoying our second season. We've had some very interesting guests so far, and we have more interesting guests to come. Yeah, it's been a good ride. This second season, just upping it up. <laughs> yeah. Today, we have Romy Toussaint. She is a queen of energy. She's a yoga teacher. She leads retreats all over the world. She does immersive forest bathing, Mm -hmm. all kinds of really interesting stuff. And she is just an all-around very cool person. And her story is really fascinating. She came from Haiti. Well, you'll listen to it right ahead. So stay right where you are. Enjoy. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to be here. My pleasure. So, Romy, walk us back a little bit and tell us where you grew up and what that was like in terms of formative experiences Mm. and what role, if any, religion and or spirituality played as you were growing up. Mm. Great question. Well, I grew up, I was born in Haiti. And I came to this country, um, I was almost 12 years old. Okay. So my story is that I landed at JFK, John F. Kennedy Airport, and it was the 4th of July. And I had never, you know, oh you know Haiti. And and um, I came with my, four, with my three siblings, um, my two sisters and my brother. So just, I was in charge. And so I remember like one of my- And you were 12 years old. I was 12 years old. You know, put us on the plane with the stewardess, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I remember landing and getting through immigration. And then there was this door, this like sliding door, like open, close, open, close. And I'm like, I got my sister, I got my brother, we got our suitcases. And I'm like, what do we do? Like this door. And then through this door, because back then they didn't have the, you couldn't go into the, you know, you could actually go almost to the plane and meet your people, right? Sure. And I I could see my mom and she's going, Romy, Romy, you know, like, like, come, come through. And it was just like, you know, just oh. so landing in the U.S. with my siblings, didn't speak a word of English, and it was at night. And so we're driving from Kennedy Airport, and there are fireworks oh, it's everywhere. Fun. And I was like, wow, this is my welcome to this country. <laughs> what a magical what a, Yeah, super magical time and place, totally different from, you know, where I grew up. And it got, I, got, I get teary. I mean, um, I even get giving this the story, it's like it I really was meant to be here. Yeah, um, just just like wow, this is all welcome, and this is what this is like. So coming into this newness and like being received by my mom and her great hug How and long driving. Has she been here before she had been here oh several years before because she had to come and work and and get her papers right, get her green card so right. that she could yeah. send for us. So my mom was a teacher in Haiti. So she came here, actually spent a year in Israel, studying cooperation, went back to Haiti, really didn't like the way things were going, and decided that she wanted to come and to, make, to start to make a better life for us. And so she came and worked as a maid um, for like a year, you know, get her papers, get mm-hmm. sponsored, and, and all of that. And she landed in Princeton because she had a sister who was also here earlier. So we came right to Princeton. Um, so she was in Princeton and then worked and eventually uh, worked as a nurse's aide at Princeton Hospital, okay. um, moved up to being an anesthesiologist helper, assistant. And she had and a drive. She was driven and she really wanted to bring us here, bring us here legally. So she was able to do that. So we came right to Princeton. Um, so that's how I landed here. And it was sort of magical. So 4th of July has a lot of meaning for us. Mm-hmm. Sure. And it's always a big celebration. It's like, oh, it's a party. It's a welcome party for us. Have you been back to Haiti since? I have been back to Haiti a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And I took my entire family, my husband and my four sons, uh, to come back there to meet my father, who was still alive then. Actually, I've been since then, too. I, I went back for my father's a funeral and and his when he was sick so your father never left he stayed my there. father so that's the story the dream was for you know my mom came here and for my father to come and be with us and that's the typical immigrant story right it doesn't matter 
where what you were, what high title you had. When you come here, you you, you become over. a maid and you start over. But my father was a congressman um, in Haiti, so he was. Uh, mm. And if you know Haiti's story, you know you could have mixed feelings or you know impressions about that. But he was a really great guy mm -hmm. um, who was who did a lot because both him and my mom studied cooperation in kibbutz in in Israel. Wow. So they really came back with dreams for how to reshape Haiti. He had amazing influence in our small town. He was able to get people to um, give up their land so that we could create roads. So he really brought cooperation to mm. the, the um, Liancourt and Verret part of, of where we came from in Haiti. And he was really dedicated to being there and making a difference. Uh, I think that his story is that if all of the educated people leave, then the country goes to pieces. Mm -hmm. And so that was his decision. That created a lot of rift between him and my mom. My mom, who was here working, you know, in the cold, working two or three jobs mm -hmm. to raise uh, four kids. And when we came, my mom was also pregnant with, with her fifth, with my youngest sister. So my dad came for a bit and just couldn't see himself here, you know. Yeah. Um, I think he was cold and he was <laughs> out of place. And um, I really appreciate my mother's decision to put us first. Yeah, um, sure. And I honor... You know, I, I have a lot of regrets. We, we've all, my sisters and I have all worked through the trauma of not having her, my dad being present and the rift between him and my mom. But I think they made their decisions and life is life. And I appreciate him. I appreciate my mom to the moon um, for all her sacrifices and all her hard work. And I think she's just been really my leading example on how to bear down and get things done. How was that growing up, though? Because, yes, clearly you've worked through the trauma. You're an adult now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I'm imagining as a 12-year-old in charge of your siblings when your mom wasn't there and then when you got here. We were super, super blessed. Um, shortly after we came, my mom uh, was able to bring my grandmother. So she was our, mm. our guardian. We always yeah. came home yeah. to someone who made us amazing meals. Um, we were also, my, I had another uncle and aunt and, and cousin who came. They were younger. They were like more between our age and my mom. And so they were her helpers. And together, that was our family. Mm. You know, my mom would have part-time work after her regular work. And we would all go together and, you know, clean the buildings and do all that we needed to do. But the example that I got was that we're a family. We all work together. We never lacked anything. And it was, you know, I, if I can say a mantra for my mom, it was like, you go into college, you go into college, you go into college. And so, yeah, I, I had a joyful life growing up right on Green Street in Princeton. After school, we, we also went to St. Paul's School. Okay. Um, and so we had an amazing welcome by the community there. We, they, they brought out tutors for the first you know, uh, semester, really helped us. There was a lot of love and a lot of um, welcoming at, at the St. Paul's community. And then I went to Princeton High School. And so Princeton Library was where I would go after school you know, when we didn't have sports and things like that. And then we'd go home and, and be a family. So I was raised with a lot of support. Yeah, um, and, and family clearly. Um, yeah. Yeah, number one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your dad came to visit or not? Um, my dad came to visit a couple of times, and I think the thing was like, you know, he was gonna come, he was gonna come, and you know, eventually we knew that he wasn't gonna come. Yeah. And, and my mom, you know, just dealt with that, and you know, and she led our family she to yeah, provided mm -hmm. for us along with my grandmother and my uncle and cousin. Seems and like you had a strong female role model. Oh my gosh, the strongest mm -hmm. female role model I have ever had. She is the leading example of focus and hard work, and um, you know, not complaining, just bearing mm -hmm. down and doing what you need to do. But also just just very forward thinking about what one needs to do. Education is first, families first. <laughs> yeah. So sure. those two things together, till this day, is. Um, is what I've taken from my mom and her incredible courage and energy. You know, one of my nicknames is the Energy Queen, but, uh, but Bertha, right. my mom, Bertha Pinard, is the original <laughs> Energy Queen. You know, she sounds like it. She would be empress. working, yeah, she'd be, she'd, <laughs> exactly, the Empress, since I'm the Queen now, I'll give her the Empress. But she would, you know, she, after working at Princeton Hospital, she worked at Johnson & Johnson in, uh, not New Brunswick, but North Brunswick on the way up there. Yeah. And she would, like, 
drive home, you know, and she'd be at the soccer field running up alongside, go Romy, go Marjorie, like running, <laughs> sprinting up alongside the soccer field, cheering us on. And so that's the mom that I know who till this day is my number one cheerleader. I remember Amazing. doing a, um, a triathlon at the, you know, Mercer County Park, mm -hmm. the New Jersey triathlon. And I was doing the, um, these, um, not the sprint, but the, the other one where you have to swim a mile. And I'm like in that, you know, lake, like basically drowning, like, oh, okay, my God, all the preparation is not working here. I just want to quit. And I'm like, just swimming along, just swimming along, switch to breaststroke so I could keep my head up. And then each time I picked my head up, I heard, go Romy, go Romy, go Romy. <laughs> and she was running along the lake, cheering me on till I got out of that water. I'll never forget that. And I got on my bike and continued and finished. So, whew. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's going to be in the back of your head for the rest of your life. Absolutely. And like Absolutely. when you face anything, Absolutely. go roll me. Absolutely, right. I can hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. Do anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's, oh, a, it's yeah. an amazing gift. A soft landing and someone always in your corner. Yeah. Always in your corner. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I didn't know that's where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't this beautiful? Oh, it's beautiful. It's the best part. Yeah. So, and we was learned. there any kind of religion um, oh, institution yeah. in your life, like back in Haiti or here? In Haiti, here? sure. We grew up Catholic. Yeah. Um, and then, so naturally, we were at St. Paul's School, which is a Catholic school. Um, you know, received more sacraments at St. Paul's Church. Felt very, very supported by that community. Mm -hmm. In fact, my youngest sister, who was born here, my mom named her Paul, Paul Joanne, Aww. you know, so she really felt supported by that community and love of God is definitely, you know, a huge part of my life. Yeah. Continues to be that. Um, went to Princeton <laughs> High School, played soccer and uh, ran track and, you know, focused on my studies. I also spent... Did you ever miss Haiti or were you like... Yeah. I mean, I think in the beginning we missed, we missed Haiti, but... Everybody, besides missing my dad, we were, you know, this we my family here. was right here, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so that makes it was a big just, difference. Yeah. And How about get, the first snow, though? Oh, my gosh. I remember, remember <laughs> we, like, I remember the first time I had, like, ice cream. Not that I didn't have ice cream in Haiti, but, like, going for ice cream here and, like, the first snow, like, stepping outside, like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. that, all of it was just beautiful. I remember having a newspaper route as, as my job and delivering uh -huh. paper, the yep. fall, the leaves, and the the snow, trick-or-treating, all of those first things were were amazing, and we did it all as a family. Yeah, continue to grow up in Princeton. I had the opportunity to spend a year in Brazil as an exchange student when I was in high school. Okay. Oh, wow. So I spent my half of my junior and half of my senior year in Brazil and learned Portuguese. Where and, in Brazil? Um, I was in uh, Goiânia, which is um, four hours south of Brasilia, so right in the middle of the country. Mm -hmm. And I was with a large family of five, and that was a, an adjustment as well. Like that. Um, yeah. Did you know Portuguese before? Nope. You did went? not speak Portuguese. I knew a little Spanish. Of course, I speak Creole because I'm from Haiti, and also French. And so English was my third language. So it took me very little time to pick up Portuguese. In fact, I, I picked it up so quickly, and my you know lack of accent, people thought I was just another Brazilian yeah. most of the time. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, that was a wonderful experience. I really that, an entire year. That's a long a time. A year was yeah. a long time. I remember being quite homesick after a while, yeah. especially at that age. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My mother would send me brochures about you know from colleges that she would get. You know, because I was the first <laughs> yeah. to go to college. Sure. And so I really needed to be home talking to an advisor, and I. That wasn't happening. So I remember I wanted to go to Georgetown University mm -hmm. because another one of my friends um, knew a lot about it. That's where she was applying. And we were both interested in international relations. Mm -hmm. And so that's a great school for that. Mm -hmm. So I applied there. And then I got a, uh, a brochure from the University of Rochester. And I can't remember, maybe Purdue. So fill those out. Got into those schools, but not Georgetown. Mm -hmm. So I came back kind of like, okay, now what? Um one of my friends in the high school was actually going to the University of Rochester. You know, he's an engineer, which makes sense. And, and he's like, we're going to go visit. Do you want to come? 
my parents are taking me up to visit. Do you want to come? I'm like, oh, you go visit colleges? Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. And so I went with him and his, and his parents, and it was like this beautiful day at the University of Rochester. Everybody was out throwing the Frisbee. It was sunny, you know, yeah. the whole weekend. Um, and so I was just like, okay, why not? And I also got a call from, like, the soccer coach because I was, you know, a soccer player. And so I had some interest, and so I decided to go there. And um, what did you go for to Rochester? I studied international relations oh, you, and French. You stuck as to well. that. Oh, wow. I stuck to that. Yeah. yeah, kind of created my own third world studies major as well. Uh, what do you think that that had to do with you being from Haiti originally? That was calling um, you into looking abroad, or I there... had this dream of being an ambassador. Mm. I was going to be. Um, Haiti's ambassador to like here or yeah. to somewhere Whoa. else. Um, so I, I, up until that time, I never became a citizen. It took me a while to become a citizen because I was like, I'm Haitian. I want to go back. I want to. I want to. I want to do this. Well, you know, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> but so and thank goodness for that. Yeah. So yeah. studying international Podcast relations. Yes. Yeah. Um, spending time in Brazil. That really, I I love that international relations and. You know, well, I mean, and so, we're go I'm going to jump forward yeah. just a second, but you're still doing a lot of international I'm things. I'm still in a doing a lot way. of international relations. Yeah. My yeah. real job after college was with um, an organization called International Research and Exchanges Board. And this was an organization that worked with the former Soviet Union and Eastern Europe mm. to do scholarly research exchanges. So we had graduate students oh, and PhD scholars who could only find their, their stuff, their research. Um, materials that they needed at those archives in the former Soviet Union and Eastern mm. Europe, which were closed to us. So we had agreements with the ministers of education in those countries. And so we would, they would accept our scholars and give them access. And yeah. we, mm -hmm. in turn, welcome scholars here who worked with different professors and did their research at universities here. So I worked with like Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia, Romania, wow. Poland. So and that was favorite favorite job amazing just taking care of the scholars when they got here yeah. having orientation for them making sure that they were okay and was traveling. that based here from Princeton Princeton IREX was in Princeton and I worked there for I can't remember how many years before they moved to Washington DC to be closer to their you know to the people who funded them was sure. what year is this this is 80s so this is 80s this is the cold, yes, is is the cold war the exactly war. wow I went to East Ber East Berlin was our counter, you know, one of the countries yeah. because, you know, yeah. so I remember going to, you know, West Berlin crossing Checkpoint Charlie yeah. into East Berlin, like feeling like you're walking into a black and white mm -hmm. movie. You know? you know, I think it's, it's interesting as we talk about this, that the power of exchange, right. And the power of getting out of your element and just existing in another space mm -hmm. and realizing that, you know, People are people everywhere, right? I think it changes you in a, in a very profound way. Mm -hmm. Gives you so much perspective and, and love, yes. right? <laughs> and, and, and it's yeah. perspective that we all need, right? All and need. It's so it's very easy to yeah. pay lip service to these things and say, yeah, so, you know, of course, everybody's the same. We love everybody. But until you actually go and do it and... Yeah. and <laughs> this situation is like getting you out of your comfort zone allows for you to bring down your walls without you realizing that you're bringing down your walls, right? Because you're like, oh, look at this, it's different. Look at that, it's happening. And then before you know it, you let in a whole bunch of other people and Absolutely. made all these connections Absolutely. that otherwise in your comfort zone you don't do because yeah. you don't need it. Yeah, well, I think the... the and you understand that everybody has different kinds of lived experiences in a much more visceral kind of way than yeah. just sort of... Yeah. A theoretical. Yeah. And, and it forces you to go for what you have in common. Yes. Yes. You know, <laughs> yes. and what you can appreciate. Yeah. It's, Who I think you everybody. Cross point Charlie go. with. Um, so we would travel with other staff members. Yeah. And then, then, you know, we have to have all the visas and all the reasons for why. And then, so the ministers of education in those places, our counterparts, would, are the people who, you know, welcomed us, you know took us you know and showed even us nowadays around. you go to berlin and it's like a whole like the architecture is so different so i can only imagine yes like, back then when it oh was oh my gosh so so really very different happening. so very formal but you know at the end you know you I, I remember being in hungary uh being invited to one of the scholars houses you know putting out the very best food for you and just welcoming you i mean just people are people yeah and, yeah. and it's yeah. just such a beautiful experience to 
have had that. And thank you for pointing that out that I'm still doing that. I, I didn't even really connect that, but I, I just recently returned from Kenya. I just led a retreat in Kenya and we spent two days off the tourist path in a village mm. in Kisi, in a, in a village with the Kenyan people. Oh my gosh. Um, we went to school, went to school. We went to visit the village. I did yoga with the kids and, and that's, you know, like when you're in it, you really feel that deep connection to who we are. When we strip off all the layers yeah. and, and mm-hmm. the names, it's, it's just love. Yeah. We'll get there. Don't jump, <laughs> okay. don't jump ahead, you too. Okay, we'll come back. <laughs> yeah, so where were we? So I'll tell you, your company moved to D.C. Oh, yes. It sounds like you stayed. I stayed, and I started working at Educational Testing Service. Uh, mm-hmm. I worked in a TOEFL program, which is a test of English as a foreign language, yep. and dealt with our international partners who would administer the TOEFL exam. Um, I remember that exam because they give it in Argentina for... Yes. Uh, people that want to come here. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And so from there, I moved towards computer-based testing. By that time, I had two children. Um, and then at, while I was at ETS, I was pregnant again with my third son. <laughs> and uh, So you have three I sons have, at this I point? Have, like the first I had three sons at that point. And so when I gave birth to my third son, Henry, I um, shortly after I took a leave and became a stay-at-home mom with with our all children because I had our two other boys were nine, ten, and uh, eight years older. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, I, I took a gap, a uh, little time in between. It's funny, people who see me, they're like, oh, are they like, is this the same marriage? Are they like, whatever? I'm like, yep, <laughs> yep. I was busy. <laughs> I was going, oh, I, know, I had a miscarriage <laughs> with our third at four months, and it was just a hard time mentally, physically, and also with work and finances and so we took a break and then then I was like wait we said we were gonna have six we better get started <laughs> so then we had three <laughs> then I became a stayed at home and my passion is movement you know even in um, in high school I, I was um, my summer job was a swim instructor okay. at the Princeton YWCA and I started teaching water aerobics there so I started teaching classes in exchange for my gym membership um, and um, so that's when I, I, you know, I was teaching all kinds of classes and then also started falling in love with yoga then. And I had a fourth son. And then I was like telling my husband, like, go get a vasectomy. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> I was about I'm to like, put myself like, together. Six seems six a little ambitious at this point. a little point. ambitious, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, running to the baseball field, running to the soccer field, you know, with two babies. And whew, mm-hmm. it was a lot. Mm-hmm. It was a lot. but um, Well, you mentioned there lightly in between that you had a miscarriage in between. Mm-hmm. How did you get past the grief? Did you just get busy or was there something well, sustaining yeah. this? Yeah, uh, well, you know grief? what? I, 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 it still comes up. Yeah. It still comes up, you know, 30 years later. I believe still it. comes up. You know, you just go on. You had two beautiful uh, kids. Yeah. Amazing husband uh, and family. All our, You know, we all live right by that time, we all moved to Lawrenceville, and so my family was around, and yeah. you just kind of, you move forward, and you grieve. I think what helped me, again, is family, and also movement. Um, my yoga practice, my meditation, mm. I love nature, and so just time outside, riding our bike, and yeah. These little clues, huh? Yeah, yeah. And to like mm-hmm. becoming who you are. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. I was able to have more children, so so that, that was helped. great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I started um, teaching classes, and as my children grew up, I started teaching more and more classes. Yeah. You know, I think my last two grew up at the uh, childcare center at the gym. You know, <laughs> totally. <laughs> I mean, there's worse places. And then on the soccer field, because I was I was a soccer coach for my you know one of my son's travel teams for years. You know, so it's passed them around, mm-hmm. and um, and they grew up just fine. <laughs> yes, they did. Of course they I did. had a lot of support. I think I lived, we lived in the village townhouses in Lawrenceville. And, you know, you step out the door and you've got a beautiful neighbor here, neighbor here, and the kids are playing right on the quads. I felt like I had wives everywhere because I was one of the few women soccer coaches. <laughs> so there were all my neighbors and my family, of course. My mom lived around the corner. My sisters. Where did you meet your husband? We met at the University of Rochester. Yeah, we met. I met him freshman year. College sweethearts. College sweethearts. We started like I was like, "Whoo, there goes my opposite." Because he was this six foot two, tall, blonde, blue eyed dude. <laughs> across. I was like, "Wow." And then he followed you back here. 
Yes, we had a breakup after um, when when we graduated for like five or six months, and then he got his you know he got his act together. (laughs) (laughs) He He figured out what was right, (laughs) and so yes, missing. What's going on? So he moved down here. Yeah. All right. So you have the four kids. They're Mm -hmm. they're growing at the gym. When did you realize? Okay, yoga. That's that's the way. That's where I'm going. Yeah. So I had been. I had, yoga was in my life since I sto- since I was working at ETS. I remember. Yeah. I remember I was in the gym, uh, workout at lunch, and the trainer was like, "Hey, Romy, do you have you done yoga?" I'm like, "No, I haven't." He 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 showed me what to do, and he gave me a Brian Kess yoga video. And Brian Kess, I I I went home, I put it on, I did the whole practice because I could, and then like the next day I was like. <gasps> Mm. I was sore in interesting places. And then I just remember, though, after finishing that video, how this feeling that I had that I could not explain. Mm. I had this deep feeling of connection that I didn't have words for to something that I didn't really understand that I felt at other times. But because of how he taught and what he was saying, I was like, wow. You know, I remember calling and say going like I can't come to work because I'm just <laughs> sore but then I did it again and I did it again and I became a student of yoga back then in 1992 I, I naturally fell in love with yoga became a student and went to study wherever I could and started incorporating it in my teaching you know I would like add yoga at the end of class and really started incorporating it in my teachings you know a pivotal moment around yoga is I remember I, I did you know several little courses, you know, I, I got like a, an informal certification and I was a member at Peak um, Health and Fitness and just in Hopewell and Ewing, Pennington. And I, um, I remember going up to one of the yoga teachers there and saying, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to teach. I want to teach yoga. Yeah. And she was like, oh, you're not ready yet. You know, you need like m- many more years. And I was like, okay, well, and then I just, and that really spurred me on. And then I just, I started teaching like right then and there. I was like, oh yeah, I'm not ready. Okay, let me show you. <laughs> I have something that I want to share about this yeah. with people. And so I just started teaching it and it's started doing it more and more. And, um, and that was it. I remember noticing that in my yoga classes, I would have like sort of like the same people. Mm -hmm. And around that time, I also became a personal trainer. And so a lot of the people who I was doing personal training with were in my yoga classes. But I would say that the most pivotal moment of me switching to really focusing on yoga and offering it in my house, because we built a house in Lawrenceville where we built the basement deep and we didn't, you know, we just left it open and unfinished and had a you know double walkout door so you could see outside and had a side entrance and so i started teaching one of my betsy bell we're talking about betsy bell right so betsy bell is someone who um, i met doing some outdoor training stuff and she was diagnosed with breast cancer and at that time um, she knew that she needed to really focus on her self-care and she reached out to me and said I'm about to go through surgery and all of these things, and I want to hire you as my trainer. And if I can't come to you, will you come to me? And I was like, yes. And she goes, and do you think that you could like, train me you know, as I'm going through this breast cancer? And I said, I think I can do anything. Hmm. And she's the one who reminded me that I said that. <laughs> and I st- really started training her and really focusing on bringing in yoga as part of that. I mean, there were times when we just sat there and breathe. Yeah. There were times when we did a lot of twists and turns because she was, you know, constipated and backed up from all the chemicals and treatments. And there were times when I was like, wait, Betsy, I'm the trainer. Stop running ahead of me. You know, she was so <laughs> energized, but I learned so much from that one of that first experience. Also, she started bringing people to work out with her. So that really started sort of like my own private training business mm. at home. And then, then we started having more yoga at home. And so that really just catapulted me instead of running around teaching at all these different gyms to start my own at home business, personal training and yoga. And so I always credit Betsy Bell for that. I, I love that your that. response was, I think I can do anything. <laughs> you can't. And someone you in can. your community being able to spot your talent. Yes. You know, finding ways to motivate and support. That's, that was really a catapult for me. Well, and clearly there is some kind of deep connection where you were able to connect with spirit or the oneness of it all. Absolutely. That you were able to transmit 
Absolutely. Yeah. I think what I, you know, what I learned, um, about yoga is really not just, you know, sitting and stretching. It's really about the philosophy of yoga, the eightfold path of yoga. And and the two most important things in yoga are the first two principles, right? The first two um, paths, which is universal moral principles that we can all agree to live by. And there are five of them, nonviolence, um, truth, moderation, non-stealing, and non-hoarding. I mean, and that applies to everything. Yeah. And then there's the disciplines, you know, self-study, devotion to a higher power, devotion to truth. So there's there's just so much um, that is rich in yoga. The next step is uh, the postures. And then the breath work, which is so transformative in meditation. And so I apply that into everything that I do. And I think that's really what helps yeah. um, for transformation. And that's also what forges a path when you're actually listening and not letting your ego run the game. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. No, I I call it like my um, Deborah Adele, who writes a beautiful book um, called The the Yamas and the Niyamas. And she says it's, you can use these as your personal GPS, you know, your your guideposts because, because the yamas and the niyamas kind of remind me of the Ten Commandments, you know? It just makes so much sense to, and for some people who maybe didn't grow up with a religion like I did, this is another way. And yoga is not a religion, but it's just something that makes sense to everyone. Yeah. Like when you can apply well, and, it to yourself. And, and there's people that are super Catholic that are actually scared of yoga because of these things that you're talking about. So the fact that you were able to also say, this doesn't have to fight with this. Exactly. Exactly. I definitely went through that because for a while there, I was going to a church um, with, you know, real dedicated born again Christians. And I remember wanting to do a Bible study for the women at my, at my house to host it. And then someone was like, well, that Romy, like she, she can't lead the Bible study. She's, she's does that yoga thing. (laughs) But we had, I had a, a super open pastor who came to me and we spoke and he did his own research and, and said, Definitely, there are some things about yoga that are so very beneficial for everyone. And for me, it allowed me to question my religion even more. It allowed me to really understand, you know, Jesus as the natural, original yogi. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that it doesn't, it doesn't fight. It doesn't fight Catholicism and our belief in whatever God we decide to believe in. Yeah. It really helps us to find even more um, devotion to the divine. And so that's, you know, that's, that's my take on yoga Yeah. <laughs> and so how it anchors my life. Was there any moment where you were like, but I miss corporate life? No, the only time I miss corporate life is when I want a, a, a like a consistent paycheck <laughs> <laughs> yes. and, and uh, maybe some benefits and health insurance. <laughs> and health sure. insurance. So when I'm in my highs, you know, I'm, I'm fine, <laughs> but yes, I do miss that. And so then that's when I have to rededicate my self-discipline right is yeah. svadhyaya self-study self-discipline are one of the principles in yoga so i've got to go back to that so what do i need to do so that i am disciplined as a business person mm-hmm. so especially as a yoga teacher it's like oh it's all donation you know i'll take the five dollars for this class that's amazing that's making you feel great but then i can't afford my mortgage yeah yeah <laughs> and so i really had to learn from other coaches and, and other business leaders I had to like remember that I had a worth that yes, I am worthy yes. and that the service that I'm providing, this guidance that I'm giving is very valuable to people. And I'm also a householder. I have four children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and well, so I'm mostly, look, you yes. said it, you're worth it, right? Exactly. This, it's so tricky Value. because when you go to college and you get your degree and you find a job and you have your experience like you're like well here's my resume everything that i'm worth to you it's right here in black and white this Mm -hmm. is how much you should pay me according to the market and whatever but when you're doing something that's less tangible yes and also think the worst enemy is us right like well i don't know if i charge this will people come will they come it's fear it's fear it's fear but at the same time i think it's so interesting we will give money to churches and religious organizations without batting an eye we will pay doctors and therapists without batting an eye right but once you introduce this kind of like ineffable spiritual element into it all mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just the whole, the whole paradigm changes it's like 
well, it's all peace and love. So yes, yes. Shouldn't cost. It shouldn't anything, cost anything, right? Peace and love. That's like that's the most that's expensive. Should be, should be the most expensive thing. <laughs> exactly. Right? Exactly. And you will get it on your You'll own. Get it. Good luck. Right. right. <laughs> and I think it's also a women thing too. Hundred mm-hmm. um, percent. And so I've had coaching on that. I've had other women who are like, you want to practice with me? Practice telling me <laughs> yeah. how much this costs. Practice telling because me it's true. what you're, you you want to be paid for this thing. And it's how we're conditioned, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I keep seeing these memes and, and these studies, right? And it's like, you know, the stay-at-home mom thing. If you added up the salaries yes. for all the things that you do, you do we couldn't afford ourselves. We, no, there's no <laughs> way we could afford ourselves. We'd all be making in like 150 grand a year yeah. easily. Yes. Yeah. Just for all of the unpaid domestic labor that's mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. no matter how much you feel like you know your worth, everything in society is trying to come yeah. up against that. Against that. Yes. Well, and I think, I think I've reconciled it with this is the cost for this and this is the cost for that. And here's how I give. Hmm. I mean, as a business owner, you know how many times you you get a request to give to this, to give to that. That's right. And I'm always generous mm-hmm. um, in giving of my time, giving of my talent, uh, vary the pricing for those who need, who can only pay, you know, so much. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've done is I've like really spoken to the people. It's like, well, this is what my cost costs. What, what is it? Can you officially afford? What is it that you're willing to put forward to invest in this course for yourself? Because I think that's the thing is in my work is helping people to realize how to invest their time and energy into their body, their mind, their spirit, their emotions. Yeah. You know, and all of those things are what helps them to show up fully present as a human being. And so you need to invest time so that you get up and you do your workout and you do your breath work and you need to really invest time and effort in choosing the right foods for you. You have to invest time in processing your emotions and feelings because they have just as much of an effect on you as putting bad food in your mouth. And so I, I, it's, it's educating and also, I'm dedicated to giving back and to supporting whenever possible. Well, it's not just how much you're worth. It's also how much you're willing to show up for yourself. And so if you are, if I'm going to charge you $5 for a yoga class, then you may not come tomorrow <laughs> and decide, you know, well, whatever, I yes. already paid is $5 versus, well, it's going to be $300. i am going to put the priority there exactly. as well. Exactly. Um, I've noticed the people to whom I have given discounts or free or the people who didn't complete the course or the people who didn't really show up consistently mm-hmm. and the people who like put their money down, even though it was hard, you know, they're, they're, they're the ones who are like, okay, so what's next? What's next? And mm-hmm. that's right. They were the disciplined yeah. ones. Who, it's literal buy-in, yeah. right? Yeah. Let's talk about some of the stuff you do with nature mm-hmm. and getting people out into nature in different kinds of ways. I guess, you know, being from Haiti and, you know, growing up outside, I have this innate love for nature. I feel great when I am in nature. And having four boys, we spent a ton of time in nature. It's like, <laughs> let's go. You know, I remember finding out uh, about Balpate Mountain, which mm-hmm. is one of our local places here, before it was like Balpate Mountain, mm-hmm. way before it was like the, the preserve. Um, and someone showed me a trail and we would go up there with the boys and play in the rocks uh, over there. So I was always lucky to find people who would lead me to different places. I have this personal mission to, to get as many people at Balpate and out into our all our preserves around here. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, COVID was really great for getting people out yes. into nature. Yes. And we have so many beautiful spaces here that people don't even know exist. So I love whenever I have an opportunity, I lead free, you know, hikes. Um, I love to take people in and do forest bathing, which is another way of just being in nature and talking about really listening and letting ourselves be bathe in the sun and the and the trees taking time to be in silence in nature when we are in nature there's so many benefits you know and so there there are studies that show that people have take less pain medication um, you know they recover more quickly from illnesses when even in the hospital when they can just have a view of outside Mm -hmm. and so putting them out in nature is is so beneficial so i spend that's that's my way of calming myself down and grounding myself and so every opportunity that i get 
I do, I do it locally and I also do it as part of my career. I lead retreats all over the world, mm-hmm. um, nationally and Here internationally. We are international well, we relations. Yes, yeah. yes. And um, I take people into nature. I've, we know we go to places like Peru, which is like so amazingly sacred. Like yes. you are changed when you go out and you see Machu Picchu and you see all of the sacred sites. Um, well, and you're going next week, next week to, to Greece. To Greece, yes. I was just in Kenya, so like being like this close up to the lions and the saf- uh, in, in the safari is really, really life changing. How did that come together? When did the light bulb go off? So you're like, wait a minute, not just Mercer County, you know, New Hope area yeah. or whatever. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go yeah. worldwide. I guess it was part of my desire to also travel. Mm. I, I feel like travel's been in my heart. And as part of one of my teacher trainings, I went to Tulum, Mexico with my teacher. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I'm learning so much yet. I feel like I'm in this beautiful space. So that was one of the first places where I did a retreat. Mm -hmm. And um, that was like, you know, get my feet wet. (laughs) And it it just went really well. Like you take people out there, magic happens. Of course, there is a structure. There is connection. There is preparation. (laughs) There is marketing. There is recruiting. There is making sure everyone is safe and all of that. But it's just such a beautiful experience. And when you add yoga and breath work and nature and connection, it's, it's really magical. People are transformed. They come back and want to create more ease in their lives and have more time for themselves. And I'm really privileged that a lot of people are repeaters. I have people who've been on four or five of my retreats. So, yeah. so it's almost like, I feel like it's almost like another kind of exchange, like we were talking about earlier. Yes, right? it yeah. is. And I really work to add that component mm-hmm. to it. So in Kenya, again, I said we went to a village and we went to a school. Same thing in Peru. We spent a day at a mountain school that, you know, some of these children walk miles to get to uh, and just really like sat with them and played with them and we one of the schools that we went to there weren't enough teachers so in the classrooms the kids would like just sit there and do their work and some of the teachers would rotate I mean build respect yeah just gives you a different perspective and I really try to make time for to really get into the culture so there's always an activity that really helps people to get off the beaten path and get into the culture but and also just so to people spend time. know we're airing this mm-hmm. and it's 2023 but yes. next year you have a few planned already we already saw the one from portugal we were eyeing at each other but yes. there's more coming yes too, yes right? going to the galapagos yeah um, that was full we that's checked. yes yes <laughs> sold out i'm looking at possibly kenya again and um you know lots of places i'm booked Iceland in 2025. Another magical thing that happens is the connection with the people who come on the retreat together. We have perfect strangers who do not know each other. Uh, I do a lot of activities to really help them to connect with themselves, connect with each other. And they're they're like lifetime friends. Well, because I can imagine clearly without having done it yet um, that there's this sacred space for vulnerability right absolutely Mm -hmm. i do a lot with journaling and with questions and each one of the yoga classes is themed so that people really get a chance to just reflect reflect and then then you've got like this beautiful ocean and you've got like you you know this great food and and people are actually eating super healthy for a week and feeling like wow yes and so i like detox for the soul detox for the the mind the body. body exactly Exactly. And, and I really educate them on how they might continue this when they come back. Yeah. The other thing that I do that I really feel is of service to people is I have this, this course that I, that I run. It's more like a club where, um, it's called the Energize and Thrive Immersion, where I teach people habits of Ayurveda. So 10 habits to thrive. You know, why is it important to have an earlier and lighter dinner? Why is it important to really prioritize sleep? Um, why is it important Warm to get water. up early and, and hydrate and have a big morning poop so that you don't carry it around with you yeah. the rest of the day and to focus on bringing more variety of plants into your diet. You don't have to be a vegetarian or a vegan, but yeah. how many variety and to eat in season, you know, we're saying mm-hmm. like, oh, it's getting chilly now, you know, so now it's time to get rid of the, the summer inflammation and get grounded with different kinds of foods now and practices that are really going to ground us right in this in this time where we're like oh it's the new year we got to back to school this this that we can find ourselves 
in this go 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 thing but we need to really get grounded and warm yeah as it as it gets cold mm -hmm. and so the, i teach these habits and the key to teaching these habits is to teach small steps how do you take small steps because we all know what to do sure. but we get just overwhelmed and so we practice it and because it's a long-term commitment and the thing is you don't really need many new things it's yeah. how do i you know, even, even if you don't change your diet, just simply eating an earlier and lighter dinner will make a huge difference in your digestion, mm -hmm. in your sleep pattern, in your energy level. You're going to wake up like, you know, if you didn't like stop yourself before bed, you're going to wake up like kind of light and feeling like, oh, I'm kind of hungry, right? Yeah. You, you, you'll have digested your food instead of stacking it all day. And so it's really, it's simple. Yeah. It's just a shift of perspective. And if we practice it slowly, it takes small steps so you can't fail. It's called Kaizen, right? Taking a small step so that you can't fail. It's like, okay, I'm just going to go to bed 15 minutes earlier today, this just this week, yeah. and see what that feels like. Mm -hmm. And next week, maybe it's 20 minutes. So we do this, and we do it in community so that there's support because you go faster when you have other people, in a, when you're in a dynamic group. And so that's one of my favorite things that I, I do is that I really coach people in that, and, and the, that community is an amazing community, and people come out changed. I and believe they, it. they can then influence their families and and then the world when they have better habits they have more energy so they can do their work in the world you also do corporate talks yes and i want to know how you got into that who brought you in for the first time to have like hey you know what everything that you're saying would be great for my employees come over and tell them yeah i think it started with yoga and mm -hmm. you know learning again ayurveda and yoga and then speaking and i remember one of my very first speaking gigs was a friend invited me to, she worked for the New Jersey Department of Health. It was a caregivers conference oh. at Robert Wood Johnson at Hamilton. And she oh, invited wow. me to come and talk about self-care for the caregivers. And Which I is came very important. And I, yes, exactly. Right. Put on your own oxygen, oxygen <laughs> mask <laughs> before you can do the other. So that's really what it is, right? For each of us, yeah. right? If we as moms don't take care of ourselves we can't really be present for our children yeah and so also spoken like a church uh, around like taking care of ourselves and self-care at church as well um and so that kind of started like that domino effect and then i would get called by others what i love when i speak is that i try to make it very practical and hands-on and so if i'm talking about movement and why it's important to carve out time and people are like but i don't have time i i'm taking care of this person who's in bed all day i don't have time i'm like okay so when you are like right there let's get up and sit down stand That's up right. and sit down let's put on some music and dance let's just take a little walk outside just it doesn't have to be an hour it could just be five minutes or two minute segments so i show people practical ways of getting that stuff done so yeah. that it's not impossible there's so much out there so it's really just guiding people and helping them to take that first small step and then keeping them accountable well yeah. and and really like planting and nurturing that idea circling back to i think i can do anything yeah. <laughs> yes thank right you. <laughs> yeah like, yeah yeah we we should all have you, that yeah like you are working to help people believe that and own yes. that about yes. themselves yes yes and that's incredibly powerful it is and you know uh i one of the ways that i focus on that is the the four energies right physical mental emotional and spiritual energy and i've spoken i, I got to speak at the new jersey conference on women and, wow. and that was like our, our topic where you have people who are really great at the physical energy which gives them physical power or even the mental energy but then they're they lack that spirit you know, they're not mm. connected to spirit or they they can't, you know, when you get tired, you need something else to keep you going. And so we focus on that. How, how do you build spiritual energy? You know, connecting to like-minded people, connecting to source, you know, taking small steps towards, you know, some daily affirmations and things like that. So really giving people practical tools. Forest so that bathing. Exactly. So that mm. they're balanced. So forest bathing, you're, you're getting you're getting the physical thing because you're mm -hmm. out, you're getting nature and you're getting like that connection to divine into others. So it's like you're getting it all. Yeah. Emotional energy is another thing that people don't think about. Emotional and power. And so much if you're not so paying. So much. Oh my gosh. If you're not feeling your feelings, mm -hmm. they become stuck 
and disease, right? So yeah. like unfelt sadness becomes grief. Unfelt anger or unexpressed anger becomes rage, right? And mm-hmm. so we need to like feel our feelings and find ways to express them so that we are free. Yeah. And emotions and feelings are like energy in motion. So they're there. They're giving us a message saying, you know, like if you're angry, some boundaries being crossed and so that's something that needs to be fixed. So don't tamp it, express it and fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can be free to move on and, and mm-hmm. have a conscious relationship with each other. Yeah. With so the other. conscious leadership is another thing that I speak on, um, publicly. I, I do a lot of trainings on yeah. that, on, on how to really recognize when we're in the drama triangle, when we're being a victim, a villain, and a hero of our circumstances. Oh, we're in the triangle. <laughs> so we can get out. Yeah, oh. recognize it. It's not a bad place to be. We just need to understand this is where I am right now. Right? Each one of these four bodies, yeah. how did you call them? Like did pillars, them yeah, yeah, yeah. Have different characteristics to pay attention to. But when it comes to the emotional one, it yeah. just gives a lot of cues about how you're treating yourself as well, right? So Absolutely. like, yes, you're angry because somebody crossed a boundary. Mm-hmm. And if you don't fix that boundary, you're not probably not going to fix the next one or the right. next one. Either, and you're right. going to keep repeating this. And you're in isolation. It's like, well, yes. I'm, I'm not even connecting with this person anymore. The, the emotion is a gift. Yes. It's, it's literally a gift. Mm-hmm. It's saying, here, do something. <laughs> That's right. You know? That's right. And right. Like, Just like you said, when you did yoga and you felt that emotion of like, I felt something. Something pay, I didn't oh, know. I had to get I in touch. pay attention to this. Yeah. Right? And yeah. like, look, it developed a whole different yeah. path. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess what I'm trying to say is like, it doesn't always have to be something that you have to face and it's scary. I mean, no. it could be scary to start sure. a new career, but... In a, in a way, it can also be a positive thing. Like, oh, Absolutely. I like this and this is good. Yeah. I can move forward with this. Well, like joy. Joy is another feeling or emotion, right? That we, that is a gift that tells us something needs to be celebrated. Yes. And oh, this is this great thing happened. But what happens when we don't celebrate or we're like, exactly. eh, eh, right? Apathy. You have to feel Apathy. it. Exactly. You have to feel it all. So, so if I come up, I'm like, guess what? I passed my test. All of us get happy. We're like, yay, good job. Did I tell you I have a granddaughter? I haven't even talked about my no, granddaughter. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. My oldest son, Philip, who lives in California, is married to my beautiful daughter in love, Jessica. And they have a beautiful daughter named Story. And she's um, 15 months old now. So yeah, I've been spending a lot of time in California. Fair <laughs> enough. But I mean, there's a whole lot of love right there. It's mm-hmm. it's so beautiful. So yeah. uncomplicated at the beginning, oh, right? Oh my yeah. gosh. Look at you, precious child. So beautiful. Yeah. So beautiful. And feeling that joy. Yeah. <laughs> Celebrating joy. that, right? So whenever yeah, I celebrate. talk about that, everyone is like, oh my gosh, show me a picture. Yes. And it brings joy yeah. to everyone. Just as if I was sad, I'm like, you know, I'm so sad because I just don't get to see my granddaughter. You would be like, oh, I know, right? And that Empathy. helps me to be like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, so it's not grief or yeah, I'm really yeah. missing my grandmother. I'm really missing this. So again, gifts, right, that we need to look at and, and process and enjoy. And if we don't, then we become unhealthy. Well, and I can so, imagine how it's important for people in corporations to listen to any of it. Well, but it's also the culture, corporate culture. We don't talk about no. our feelings. No. We're not going to question the CEO who's telling, dictating this, yeah. where I have the brilliant information right here, but if I'm not empowered to speak, if that CEO doesn't say, give it to let's me. give it yeah. to me. So one of the first things that I teach, my gift to people is this presencing practice. And it goes like this. You have to check into your body sensation your feeling and your thoughts. So body sensation is like, oh, I'm hot, cold, tickled, or tight throat. The feeling is the emotion that's behind that sensation. And then what's the next thought? So if I'm sitting at a meeting and the CEO is saying, we're going to do this project, this project, and all of a sudden I'm feeling this tightness Mm. in my stomach, and I'm noticing this fear, and I have this thought like, we did this last year and it's not going to work. But I'm not expressing it because it's not the culture, Uh especially for women. Then what happens to the company? You know, how amazing and empowering would it be if the CEO said, what do you think? What's the body sensation, feeling, and thought here, everybody? (laughs) And people are like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling this. And this one's like, I was feeling this too. And I was wondering, like, it's too early or it's this. And we're having an honest conversation where everyone feels heard and it's for the benefit of the whole, the success of the company. And Mm -hmm. then we can take a different path or like 
oh, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to doing this. And I think we can do it. We just need to do this. Like everyone can speak from this place. Oh my gosh. You need to go out and train every corporate CEO. (laughs) (laughs) Because it comes down from there, right? Like It's the culture, right? We want to create a culture. Um, I do this with my children, you know, like sit around the table. Let's talk about this, you know, so that people can speak. It's like when, when you said this, I noticed that my chest got tight and I felt a little sad. My thought was, blah, 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 blah. You know, I love that. And my thought was, yeah. So, and those things are not arguable. We can't argue with someone's sensation and their feeling and their thoughts. No, but that's great advice for everyone. Yeah. For a couple, for exactly. Oh, I use that totally with my, with my husband, with all of us, like everyone I know, they're like, Oh, what's the body sensation feeling and thought Romy? I use that. I was feeling this because it really puts us at a place where we're speaking from presence. You can't be mad at me if I'm sad or angry. Yeah. You can be like, Oh, I noticed that you're sad. Thanks for letting me know. Yeah. And so, well, and also for yeah. oneself, I think when you're putting it on my body, feel my throat feels tight yeah. and I was feeling nervous. Uh-huh. And the next thought was, it feels felt like you're observing yourself. So it doesn't feel as terrifying as to say, I'm nervous, I'm nervous. or I don't like this or mm. whatever. Or I'm going like, to pant out that nervousness yes. and not acknowledge yeah. it. Yeah. It's or not going to go away. This is story I'm telling myself. Right? Exactly. Like, yeah. This is real, actual sensation. Yeah. 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 Because if you... Where is it coming from? What do I need to do with Talk about, about it. it. And what it creates is intimacy between you and me. Yes. Intimacy between whoever is mm-hmm. here. It's like, oh, oh my goodness. It's really good to know that you're nervous. It's really good to know that you're excited. It's really good to know that you're angry. Like, what can, how can I help? Yeah. And what this doesn't do? mean you're going to lose your job. <laughs> yeah. We can or, talk or, about or, it. <laughs> or friendship or, or yeah. whatever. Yes. It's yeah. just like we're now on the same plate and mm-hmm. I can sympathize. I can help. I can listen. Where did you pick that technique up yeah so i am a a conscious leadership life coach as well um so as part of my trainings as a conscious leader that's one of the like things that we start with yeah everything comes from this intelligence you know that we we spend so much time pointing at her body everyone yeah (laughs) well so it's you know we've got our mind and a lot of us are like well we work so much on education and feeding our brain but we also have this heart which is our other center of intelligence which leads with love and openness and can tell us what to do and not but we also have our gut which is in the huge center of intelligence which you know gives us that like that like Mm -hmm. stop don't don't jump don't do this don't go down that aisle which also says like oh yeah this is the time right so if we can be in alignment if we can like be tuning into all three centers then we are in alignment make a decision from a place of integrity and have a full body yes for something or no. I work with Reiki and what you're saying reminds me a lot of what I work with when I do Reiki, which is this whole, sometimes your body, yeah, your heart may say yes and your heart may say no and your head may say no and your gut may say maybe or whatever. And then when none of that is like talking to each other is where these emotions get stuck. And then as you were saying, it can become like a sickness or, you know, you carry this like a knot in your throat the entire time. So being able to even say like, you know what, my heart is saying yes and my gut is saying no, and it's okay. So I can get into an alignment yeah. instead of the battle between the one and the other. Right. Or, or say, well, what do I need to solve in order to know totally. what's this? Maybe, maybe I need to go sit on it for a little bit. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe I need to set a boundary or maybe exactly. I need to, I need to know, know more. Yeah. Accept that I was wrong or, you know, be able to say sorry, forgiveness and yeah. That's part, again, another one of my favorite things that I need, I love to have people be aware of because I think that frees us to be ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're energized when we're, we're working from this place so we can also focus and do our work. All, all I want to do is for people to do their work in the world because I think we all have a special job to do. And when we are physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally like open and energized and we can do that work we have power and i think it's such important work that you are doing because what we've just talked about it sort of goes against every single way that we are programmed to operate and to make decisions and to Mm -hmm. interact with ourselves and Mm -hmm. other people taking time listening to all the parts of our consciousness and physical self Mm -hmm. none of these are things that our culture or society really wants us to do 
right? Yeah. Like late yeah. stage capitalism does not lend itself <laughs> to this sort of business, which is why in part, I think everybody is so, feels so askew talking about this and giving people practical tools to live this way mm-hmm. is such wonderful, wonderful work. Yeah. Drop the mic. That's yeah. right. <laughs> no, it really is. It's counterculture. It's, um, you know, it's like uh, against nature, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, was it arrhythmic or whatever? Like when we're in rhythm, we're like out of rhythm, mm-hmm. right? When we do that, we're in rhythm with nature, with ourselves. So it starts with our, our daily habits that, that makes us so in tune with our body that we can feel our sensations, that we can commit to speaking in a way that honors it. So we have the practices, so we have the tools so that we can show up in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think the key word show up, being present, right? Because you can't do any of those things if you're just like unconsciously all the everyday. Well, and the idea of taking time to figure things out. It's, it's counterculture. It's, it's, it's like instant response on our texts, on Mm -hmm. our, on our emails, on our Instagram or whatever it is. It's, it's counterculture. And so if we can just remember that to like back up and start to um, model, you know, presence in whatever way, Mm -hmm. you know, how we eat, how we prioritize our morning time in silence so we can, you know, show up present, how we are with one another in conversation, in business, in life, with our children, to kind of show up in our own power and all of that will give us power, Mm -hmm. more power. Speaking of power, I'm assuming... That when you're giving these retreats is when you feel like when do you feel the most powerful you know it's i i do there's something about being with i am really energized when i am on retreat or you know working one-on-one with someone i it really does energize me because i feel like i'm on purpose i'm in my purpose mm-hmm. i'm doing my work i'm up in service and if i see a little transformation i get even more excited um, so that makes me feel good. It makes me feel great that someone's going to take one little takeaway from the retreat and apply it to their lives till we meet again and, and maybe grow from there. And that's going to catapult and have a domino effect uh, in the world. And I also yeah, I feel that power when I set my own goals and I, and I actually like go and meet them. <laughs> well, this knowledge of the purpose. Yes. That is that is yes. powerful. Just yes. knowing that yes. you're consciously, presently, you know, making all of these decisions so I can be here on mm-hmm. service, mm-hmm. helping you reach your goals or mm-hmm. myself, mm-hmm. you know, reach my own goals. Yeah. It's it the the word purposes a lot. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it, it invokes power per se. You know, you may feel the spirit in certain moments or you may feel in tune with your body in certain moments, or your mind may be at rest at certain moments, but how, how do we bring it all together mm-hmm. so we can walk through the world mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. those things mm-hmm. as in tune as they can be? All the time. All right? the time. For a minute there, we took a break and you said that it is possible all the time to live this conscious you know, decision to be present, to incorporate the mind, the body, the spirit, and the emotional. Mm-hmm. So I want to know how it is for you. How do you do it? Yeah, do you manage it, it? it starts with your habits, with your habits. And it really, it's keeping them small enough so that they become permanent, right? So that they're just this thing, right? So I always get up and I sit in silence. It's just automatic, right? And, and I, I I can't remember how many days a year that I don't get up and move my body, even if it's just like five sun salutations, right? So it's doing the small steps so that it's an ingrained part of you. Like all of us get up and brush our teeth, mm-hmm. right? So it's teaching people habits and how to stack them so that, it becomes permanent. So it's like part of your flow. Right after I brush my teeth, I'm gonna, I have my medicine right here, my vitamins right here because I wanna remember to, it's a science. Habit evolution is not just hard work and, and who can, who's the most disciplined, it's science. So even when you fall off the bandwagon once in a while, it's easy to come back. Mm-hmm. So when you start mm-hmm. small and you can stack little tiny habits and aim for a B minus, <laughs> C plus, you're going to have success in the long run, right? So that um, these the habits are part of you so that when you deviate from them, you're, you feel a certain way. You're like, oh my God, yes. I ate that 
whole cake or or I didn't sleep you know I've been burning and I I missing that rested part of me so it's not like a critis- critical thing you you are bad it's just like how do you want to feel mm. I want to wake up feeling energized and ready to go so when I don't do these things I don't have my energy yeah I remember one of the most profound things is like when my kids going, mommy, did you go for your run today? Because I was like walking around yelling and screaming. <laughs> Do you need to go for a run? <laughs> Do you need to go outside? Like, so it's, it's really, how do we incorporate habits in our lives that, that become sort of like part of us? It's so routine that we do not have to think about it, but we're committed to doing things that are going to help us to show up in a, in a particular way. Yes, we're going to have our ups and downs. Yes, we're going to get sick. Yes, we're going to have to change a little bit. That's life, right? We're going to yeah. go with the flow and seasons change and we go with the flow. So if we learn some basic things that can empower us to have some wild habits, right? So it's like going back to nature because our bodies have forgotten that we are nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that we're, we're going to show up in a certain way and we're going to want that. We're going to miss it. And people will notice uh, that we're a certain way. That there's a certain weight yeah. about us. That people notice and that we notice and so i think that's the way to do it if you have well i would ask you two things if you have to talk to young romi or if you have to tell something to the younger generation what would it be embrace yourself and keep going as a young person you're so scared you have so many doubts but just just keep going just keep going and embrace and surround yourself with 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 people who love you and trust you and love and trust them back. That was amazing. That was amazing. <laughs> thank you so much. That was much. amazing. <laughs> well, I love that. No, really. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Romy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening, everyone. Join us next week when we talk to Master Teacher of A Course in Miracles and Licensed Rebirther, Alejandra Cleric. And remember, you can listen to our past episodes on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or anywhere else where you can listen to podcasts.